In the beginning, Scott Pilgrim was dating a high schooler. Then he met a girl by the name of Ramona Fowler Flowers and instantly fell in love with her. While he had to break the heart of his 17-year-old girlfriend, he also had to fight Ramona's seven evil ex-boyfriends to win her heart. Six of those boyfriends are down, one to go, but Scott Pilgrim is at a crossroads. Ramona is gone. He is on his own. And will he stay alone, or will Scott Pilgrim finally get together in his finest hour? Six evil exes, uh, not boyfriends. Just to right, six evil. Gotta show our Roxy some love there. She's yeah, a little bifurious. Hey, thanks for that lovely intro. That was uh, Ben Magnet. We are back for a fake nerd book club. Hi, Ben. Hello. And of course, uh, I'm Sparks Woody. I'm joined by Ryan Eliopoulos. Hello. It's also my finest hour. We are finally uh, closing the book, as it were, on the Scott Pilgrim comic series. Um, we're doing it with Scott Pilgrim, Volume Six, Scott Pilgrim's Finest Hour. Um, so fine. What I believe in Volume Five, I forgot to mention, but you should know if you've been here. These are all still written by Brian Lee O'Malley. Yeah. Not the color. The colored editions have colors done by Nathan Fairbairn. Yeah, that hasn't um, changed. I did forget to say the credits, but like you've been here, yeah. so yeah, here we are. We're here for the final volume. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about it. This volume is juicy. It's packed. Ooh. It's got so much to it. I love it. It's the thing that like I loved the Scott Pilgrim books, but like the fact that they end the way they do is what cemented for me that it's one of my favorite things uh, I've read. Ryan, hey, it's me. Brand new, brand how new. Feeling, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, how funny would it be? If, like, man, this book sucks. Uh, oh no, it's great. Like, uh, it's everything that like you know we've been ramping up to the end of the book, and like, I'm sh like I'm sure it was going to have some type of a happy ending. I can only assume in some way, but like, I get full closure on most of the characters that I want. Uh, we have uh, excellent fight scenes, uh, some great emotional resolution, uh, emotional. Uh, trauma being being taken care of uh therapeutically if, if even um and it just it continues to be a beautiful book uh that just always surprises me and like there was one moment again where i was worried about scott like scott this is the final volume uh, we can't be with him and kim i'm like we can't like what are we what are we gonna what are we doing here but even that <laughs> just it, just one moment not well, not well, him there's more. not him not him, no. not him and envy <laughs> no we'll get to that well yeah yeah, yeah. but like the stuff with Kim felt like the most like true and like that could be the ending of the book, him and Kim. But like, mm -hmm. I want, I, I want him to end it up yeah. with Ramona. That's where, that's my, my OTP, my one true pairing. Um, but yeah, Scott yeah. makes a lot of fumbles in this book, but I'm glad he eventually remembers everything. Yeah. Ben, how yeah. are your feelings about Scott Pilgrim's final volume? Oh, it's still fantastic. It is an amazing volume. It still, it ties up every, almost everything. From the previous volumes, like everyone gets a good ending, everything just gets resolved. Um, just but yeah, just like right, even though I've read this volume quite a few times and rereading it again, you get to a certain point with Kim, with knives, with Envy, and you just go, Scott, what are you doing? Because even though Ramona's been gone for a while, it's he's still trying to be like he's still like kind of sketchy, but also I would say some of it is kind of Wallace's fault too, because Wallace is like, just go out and get laid, my guy, just just do something. Yeah, because Scott is at home just playing his video game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I think the way that the book picks up, we're following out of volume five. Scott has 
totally fallen into his routine that he does uh where he just like video game what oh uh i don't think that was that long ago that was uh, four months ago bro yeah yeah like everyone's lives are very clearly like taking huge strides forward and more clearly than ever and this has kind of been the implication of the book all along is that like the people around scott and his life knives aside because she's a high schooler uh have all been like progressing mm-hmm. and scott doesn't progress at all and nope. now that is all the more egregious because they're taking even grander, greater strides forward. And Scott continues to remain Scott. Um, it feels like like almost like any any progress he did make now is gone again. And he's just straight back to minus one. Scott Pilgrim, minus one. Scott yeah. Pilgrim, minus one. Less nuclear detonations. Yeah. Uh, you got, uh, importantly, like Wallace and Steven at the beginning of the book are the two people showing up at Scott's place, because we know Scott has a place now, and they're mm-hmm. both coming over there, trying to be like, you know, Wallace, like, hey, my guy, like, like fight him or sleep with him. You gotta take care of the Gideon shit. Yeah. Uh, or just go have sex with whoever. Uh, yeah, go sleep you know, with Gideon. Go, go, do, go do whatever you're gonna do. Um, which has the important line uh, uh, where he's like, uh, go sleep with women. And he's like, I've just never been good at that stuff, the sleeping around stuff. And it's like, Scott. That is all. <laughs> Scott, my guy. Yeah. My guy, you lie. You lie. <laughs> I love that Wallace is like, yo, let's go to Hooters. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's your favorite place. Like, no, Wallace doesn't like Hooters. He's trying to get you some friends. Yeah. Some lady friends. <laughs> Wallace is trying in his very own way. And he's like, come on, guy, you'll get good at it. It just takes practice. Uh, and you Which, go on to. Go also, ahead. again, it's yeah. probably maybe not the best advice for, no, for Scott Pilgrim specifically. It's it's very much of like how does Wallace move on from something and he's just trying to give his like this is what I do yeah and like for Wallace that works because Wallace is a far more self confident being yeah. than Scott yeah 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 um, 100%. and then you got Steven Steven who's like hey man like you know come back to your job and he's like well what about the band and he's like Scott you're not in the band he's like I don't play bass and he's like Scott you broke your bass yeah like four months ago and he's like I I don't think that was four months ago. <laughs> Is this the same time that he learns that there's a new band, or is that later? Yes, this is where he learns that he's not in the band. Uh, Scott's so disillusioned from the reality of what's happening to him. Uh, It's it's sad. It's super depressing. We've all been through bad breakups, uh, but Scott is Scott, so it's like way, way worse. Uh, Any other thoughts on that particular time period before we move into Scott's first nightmare? No, it's just it's it's just unfortunate. Because like uh, this being the final volume, like I, I again, I was I was thinking we would get a happy ending at some time, but like this book starts pretty rough for Scott. Yeah, uh, and I'm like, man, what is it gonna take for you to to get out of this? Because like, if anything, like you, it's you're the worst you've ever been. Because like you you had something really great and it's gone now. So it's like, will he ever get out of this? I I, I figure he will, but how long will it be? Uh, and yeah, the nightmares start happening, which is awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. One of my favorites is Ramona coming in and spearing Scott to the ground with the power of love. Yeah. No canonically is the power of love. She's like a Valkyrie. Uh, And as he's there, he gets feasted on by a bunch of demons who we learn are very clearly the visages of Kim knives and envy uh, eating at his limbs. And that's what motivates Scott to like, I think I need to get out of the house. (laughs) Yeah, so he goes to he goes to is it a bar that he goes to or a club? He goes to a club, right? It's like a different club. Yeah. that's not Gideon's, or is that is that one Gideon's? It's the not Gideon's. 
It's not Gideon's, okay. It's, it's opening soon. It's, it's still, yeah. The Chaos Theater's coming. It's okay, around yeah. the corner. Like, yeah, Monique says, like, oh, yeah, Gideon's Club's opening soon or something. Um, And then Scott sees, sees Knives there. Before that, uh, importantly, he sees Cole, who's the the oh. other member of Steven's new band. And he says, "It's Cole is a guy with glasses. So yeah. Scott's like, who the hell is this guy? And Steven's like, you thought he was a Gideon and stuck a fork in his head. He plays the drums. He's like, what? That never happened. I don't remember that. Like, well, Scott's yeah. such a mess. Sounds like you, Scott. Yeah. yeah. But yes, we meet Knives, who is established as 18 years old. This now. is probably the grossest thing in, like that Scott's ever done. And he's done yeah. a lot of she's done. He was even worse than like fake dating the teenager. The second she turns 18, he's like, well, how does it feel? How does it feel to be an adult <laughs> in the eyes of the law? Like, Scott, yeah. what the fuck? Sketchy ass 24 year old. Yeah, sketchy ass twenty four year old. I'm really glad that the comic directly calls attention to like this is skeevy. Yeah, <laughs> this uh, is really skeevy, and you should feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and mm -hmm. he he like yells at her like, "Do you want to have sex? You want to have casual sex?" That's not, that it's not even a question. He says we should have sex. Oh yeah. Oh no, yeah, he does. He says, "You want to have sex? I yeah. think we should have casual sex." We should have sex. sex. Casual sex. Yeah. Uh, while she's like, <laughs> which is really like, it sucks because he's focusing on you're not 18, you're 18 years old now. And she's saying uh, of these things about this big change in her life that she's trying to relate to Scott about that she's about to move away. Yeah. Go to college, yeah. all this stuff. And that's all she's saying. And Scott's just like, 18, 18. We can have sex. Now, you're the one person I know who wants me. It is like also. That Wallace set him on this path. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Bless you. Wallace set him on this path. So like Scott's like, this is good advice. He's, but like, he's like focused. Bro, it's yeah. so bad. And I love the Brian Lee O'Malley does such a good job of just the, the awkward stare. Yeah. From both of them after he says that out loud. And they're both super uncomfortable. Yep. Uh, Knives being the, the sweetheart that she is like, she, she still like, he still talks to him and she's like, I don't, I don't remember what she says exactly after that, but she's like, you know, maybe we can make out a little bit or whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> before that, she's like, uh, Scott's like, I'm sorry. It was Wallace's fault. He gave me bad advice. Yeah. Uh, and she's saying, Scott, you, you remember you cheated on me and stuff. Like mm -hmm. you were kind of a crummy boyfriend. And yeah. Scott's just, this is the introduction of one of my favorite things in this book. Oh, which it's is reoccurring. Memory, which is the memory cam. Yeah. Which is where Scott's like, I uh, sort of, and his memory of being with knives is knives following him in the beautiful sunshine in, in the memory cam saying, Oh my God, Scott, you're so sexy. And he's like, Oh, thanks baby. <laughs> like, yeah, it happens like three that's, times. How things, that's how Scott thinks things were. Yeah. Not true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she says like, uh, I don't, uh, I'll always like love you to some extent, Scott, but I don't want you. Yeah. I've, I've moved on. That's growth, baby. Yeah. Which is also where Scott questions if she's like Stephen Sills. Cause she's been with Stephen Sills a lot, which Kim thinks is hilarious because as we will, learn later uh steven is very homosexual and not interested in the ladies at all all that uh, scott, all that but that's yeah. all way over scott's head everybody yeah. else is aware but scott all that all that recording with joseph yeah made him realize and it's really great because you have knives like like we've talked about knives arc and what's happened with knives and and how well represented as a teenager she is and she gets to have this this whole thing which is like this is exactly this this part right here that I'm about to say is exactly why I could not be okay with knives getting together with Scott. Yeah. At the end of the movie, regardless of the age thing. Yeah, yeah. Which is that she says, "I'm happy being alone right now, Scott. I'm trying to learn to like me alone. I mean, I've spent a year of my life on you, a year. Yeah. Of my life, and like, 
that's such an important growth step for her and it's so wonderful that she has it and it's like it would be the antithesis of everything about her getting back together with scott yeah yeah uh but yes she does make the decision like oh no we can make it out a little and that's when it was but it was horrible for everyone including you yeah and they're both i just love i love those little fourth wall breaks i absolutely adore them and it's just like that one just like that part after he and I was actually kissed for a hot second and it's like it was horrible for everyone and that includes you it's like yeah that was horrible and the paneling and the color like even before you think about how the narrator is for the film it has that same feeling where it's like but it was horrible yeah for everyone and that includes you yeah I still I hear I hear Bill Hader when I when I when I read that stuff yeah um I really like that as a uh, as like an end to like a button knives and Scott's stuff yeah. uh, that like she expresses how much growth she's experienced. She expresses that like, Scott, you were kind of shitty and I wasted a lot of time on you. And like, I'm I'm not bitter about it, but I'm learning to grow from it. Yeah. And and then also the like, but maybe it'll be OK if we like kind of do a little something. And it's like, oh, God, it's not OK at all. It's yeah. not OK at all. Yeah. It's just not the same anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that, uh, that's what I like about this book is that happens with basically every every uh, uh, every person that Scott deals with. Like they had they 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 confront Scott about it and he kind of learns a little bit and then there's like resolution uh, until we get to the very end where it's like fully complete in a way and it's like it's nice it's nice to see uh, you know because like I didn't I don't I didn't know what was gonna happen with knives in this book like I don't know if like she was gonna continue to like Scott or if she was gonna be like super hateful and try to kill him or something but like they have a nice. Uh, while it starts disgusting, they have a nice resolution in a way, um, Mm -hmm. which is nice. Yeah. Um, Scott ends up at a party that is for someone named Sarah Jane, and Scott doesn't know her at all, and it's like, dude, this is her party, and he just assumed this was another one of Julie's party. Yes, he's at some lady's house. He's just, like, kind of wandered by the wall into some building where there was a party that he seems to recognize people from. He has no idea why he's there at all. Yeah. Uh, And it turns out that Julie moved to Montreal, and Scott's, like, totally missed this because he had no idea. Young Neil informs him. And guess who's there? Uh, and, a woman with a bust waist and hips all at a uh, score rating of 999. Hell yeah. <laughs> Perfect woman. Envy Adams. Envy Adams. Yeah. And of yeah, course, just uh, like young, Neil, uh, young Neil's advice is like, yeah, she's here. You should just go preemptively go up to her and be a dick for no reason. And of course, Scott like goes up. And of course, Scott goes up and is like, Envy Adams partying with me or mortals and just like does the, the, the hair whip. Yes, just like instantly stare, and Scott going, oh, yeah, beautiful art, and he's so he's so off his game, he's so screwed up. But here he is, just trying to do something with envy. So he's all, oh, what are you drinking? Let me buy a a cheese. I'm sorry, I. I." He turns into, and then I love the narrator uh, coming in and saying, "We'll spare you the embarrassment of witnessing the rest of this spectacle." (laughs) Please turn the page. Which yeah. turns into Morty again, for a second. Again, the kind of thing I like. Yeah, it's very Morty. Yeah, now that you said that. Um, yeah, and this is where we start to like peel back that curtain on Envy saying, like, you know, Scott, you really weren't all peaches and cream. Like, you want to act mm-hmm. like I'm some bad thing, some villainous. We were practically kids when we dated Scott, and it's not like you were some paragon of virtue. I was such a paragon. I was pouty, such a paragon. His pouty face is just yeah. so freaking. 
He's like a little baby. Which is like, you know, we've talked about like how Scott has crafted his own narrative of how things happen in his life and this kind of thing. And he really truly has like, I don't think there's anybody who in his eyes he believes he actually is innocent more with than like, I think he feels guilt about Kim. And I think he feels like, even as he suppresses it, guilt about Kim, guilt about Knives, guilt about Lisa and all this stuff. As he ignores it, he feels it. But I think he's truly lied to himself so much that he's like, I was great with Envy, though. Yeah, I, wasn't... I couldn't have been a better version of myself. And she still cheated on me and broke yeah. my heart, uh, which we're getting from Envy. That's like, all right, you know, like, tell yourself you're lying. But that's not true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he didn't think he he was the problem at all in this relationship. And like, as we learned with every with every relationship Scott has ever been in, like, homie, you, you were just as bad, if not worse than everyone. Yeah. Which is one of those things that I really like. And like, no, no. No other version of the Scott Pilgrim story besides the books has done what um, I like so much about Envy here, which is like, and we'll touch on it. It comes up again a little bit later uh, in the book, but like uh, Envy, Envy getting to call out that like, I'm not just some bad bitch. Like uh, importantly, you know, we have the moment I'll just go to it. Uh, it's a little further down the book than where we are but um the moment where mb says uh do you even remember the new year's eve fight uh that you started um and she she also brings up like uh scott we dated for two years i can read you like a book and he's like two years that doesn't add up to scott and she's like you don't even remember me you're like the only person who knew me before yeah uh and yeah and she, again we get the memory cam thing with scott where you're such a where he's like uh yeah. i don't think it was i i think it was pretty good and it's just like oh my god scott you're such a stud yeah totes and the memory cam and everything and she's like she reveals that like that big fight the thing that we don't get the full details because we're still living in scott's perspective yeah but that night where she said just go away scott Scott started a fight that we're not seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I, I really like that because it really illustrates like, not that MB hasn't made bad choices or that she doesn't like do things, but like she's been so like, she's the bad guy. Yeah. And who the heartbreaker, the bad person in the relationship. And this is the only material in the Scott Pilgrim story that ever says, um, yeah, they were both not great to each other. Yeah. And like, even MB acknowledges like I wasn't great, but neither was Scott. Like we were both dumb kids and we both made dumb choices, but like Scott had just as much a hand in being shitty in that relationship as she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really important and it's really valuable to have that for envy here. Uh, and yeah. I lament that it never really shows up anywhere else. Yeah. I like in that I, conversation. It, uh, sorry, real quick, but I like that in that conversation, uh, Scott's like, like you actually care. And she's like, of course I care. Yeah, like like he's he's making her out to be like an actual supervillain, and but like she's just a person, and he's well, he's putting her on this like evil pedestal. Yeah, and one of the the last things she says before she starts building up to the the she's working for Gideon thing and revealing Gideon in the street, which is the first time Scott sees him, and then immediately has to run away. Yeah, uh, is Scott saying, you know what I remember? I remember you breaking my heart. Mm-hmm. And Envy says the feeling is somewhat mutual. Yeah, meaning that Envy also had her heart broken by Scott, like. And we just don't get that other side of it uh, in the other materials. Yeah. Like they, they don't have the time to give to Envy to, to offer that. But it, I think it's important because in if you just watch the movie and you just watch the show on Netflix, then like you don't know that Scott was pretty terrible to Envy too. Yeah. And that she's more than just like a hard ass bitch. Yeah. Uh, and that there was a history there that, that Scott was culpable for. The other, like the other versions, like the movie and show kind of like, 
they kind of just make Scott's game just he's kind of just like aloof and like like kind of like ditzy and it's like kind of like a silly guy but like this is like where the real like emotional baggage is it's in this book uh and again mm -hmm. like those are adaptations that can't get everything in but like that's why I, this book is great because like it really dives into like yo scott is like maybe like the worst out of all of them for how much he yeah. just like forgets doesn't care is not present uh and like he needs more growth than practically everyone else in the in the book he, i mean it is his book after all yeah which is one of those things when we go back to volume three and we talk about like seeing the the build of flashback stuff scott's interpretation of his relationship with envy and he has things like when he shows up at that new year's eve party and he's like i got my hair cut and she just says get out of my life scott yeah like we know that there's something missing. missing there. Like there's there's a thing that wasn't said, uh, yeah. and it, that that's really important. And and she just she becomes a more full character, and she becomes a more fully fleshed person. And I think it's envy is one of my favorites in this ending. Yeah, just because it takes her from one note to to a real person and i feel like we mm -hmm. we had trouble crossing that line before yeah yeah and it, i think it <clears throat> it's really important to have a part of the story that says like even the thing scott thinks he was the most virtuous at he wasn't and uh and that like there is responsibility for two people in a relationship even the one with envy who like everyone wants to make her out to be a, a huge bitch and the worst thing and it's like yeah Okay, but like Scott still played a hand. Yeah, uh, and to bring it to that the conversation they have a little bit later that you talked about, um, when she's like, "You're the only person who knew me before." Yeah, and he's before what? And she's like, "Scott, do you remember anything? Yeah, ever, like ever?" And it's like, "No, he he, he really he, doesn't. He represses his entire any any negative thing that ever happened in his life. Go away." And like, oh, I don't remember it. It didn't happen. I'm the best guy in the world. And it's like, you could only do that for so long, my man, before like it's going to bite you in the ass for real. And importantly, mm -hmm. like what we learn later in the book is that Scott will repress like negative things that hurt him for sure. But the thing he'll repress the most is the negative things he did. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing he'll bury the deepest. And he did a fair amount with envy or he would remember more. That's true. Um. So uh, jumping back just a little bit in between these conversations with Envy that Scott has is one of my favorite pages Gideon. Of, of Gideon the cat finally coming back and crawling Gideon. over Scott. And he's just like, yeah, Gideon. <laughs> and he's got to cuddle it. And the cat's just like, bro, what? <laughs> and he's Every just like holding on to the whole the cat the whole time. When he's asleep, and the cat's just like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Envy, Envy tries to prepare Scott for like, Gideon's coming and he's not even that bad of a guy. She's working for him now. Uh, and Gideon appears to Scott on the street and Scott is scared and he runs away to hide forever. Dash. <laughs> yep. Dash into the snow. Which again is great panel work. Mm -hmm. um, which I I I've thought a lot about this moment, and I think it genuinely was Envy thinking that mm -hmm. like she was helping Scott. Like, she was about to help Scott find peace with the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's why the look on her face when he runs away is so shocked. Yeah. Um, because she was hoping to broker something and Scott couldn't face it. Uh, now, yeah. granted, we know later in the book, Envy didn't know how bad Gideon was. Um, but from her mind, I think she was trying to do something nice for Scott. Yeah. I really do think that. Also, remember, the end of the last volume ends with Gideon calling him saying, so when do you want to die? And this is the moment that he meets. So I'm like, Scott's like, well, I don't want to die. I got to get out of here. Right, right, I've right. already punched seven other people wearing glasses and it was never Gideon. Now that I confronted Stuck him. a fork in the head of one of them. Yeah, yeah. poor guy. At least was it wasn't his hand because he's the drummer. Yeah. Um, 
And that brings us to chapter 34. I almost never talk about chapters and titles, but I knew I had to highlight this one if Ben Magnet didn't do it himself because it's chapter 34, A Link to the Past. I love that. Which is when uh, Scott goes uh, to visit Kim and Kim living with uh, their parents. Oh, um, before that, where is it? Uh, Kim leaves him a really cute message. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, she's yeah. like, uh, hey, I saw this guy and he has a stupid parka like you had since you were 12. That's literally the most interesting that's happened here. It sucks up here. So uh, get over your depression and come visit me, ass clown. And I'm like, oh, oh she's so she still likes it. <laughs> At least as much yeah. as being a friend and wants to be in his life. But she's being like, you know, yeah, yeah, they like, yeah, life sucks and whatever. But if you want to come visit me, like, I don't care or whatever, you know, that kind of like mentality about it. And I think it's really great. And I think this is this is one of my favorite parts of the whole book. Me too. Um, Not even just because, like, I was worried about, like, are, are Kim and Scott going to get together? But, like, it's just, like, it's more really great resolution uh, uh, with them and, like, and hanging out in, like, a tree. I, I'm really yeah. glad that, like, it's it's Kim who's with Scott when he finally faces himself mm -hmm. and defeats the nega scott like yeah. i think that's really really important uh i remember everything and, and valuable uh and you get a lot of just great art here because this is a moment obviously like people were kind of wondering what was going to happen for all the volumes yeah. that leads to kim and scott kissing see th at this yeah. exact moment but like before i before i like turn the page i'm like i would be happy if kim and scott got together because yeah. they they like so would Kim. Look so yeah, look at that kiss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, like you know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. Like they, I think they're both very interesting. Like Kim's a very kind of like reserved, like funny person, and I think she works well with Scott. But like, I think what happens after is is just as just as impactful and good. Well, and I think the major thing is that like, and it doesn't lie about its characters or its world or the story that's happened so far, which is that Scott's saying like, you know what? I, I recognize that you're kind of the person who's been the constant in my life and and you're uncomplicated and and easy. Which is also which kind is of going back to the easy thing. Yeah, which yes. is why Kim is, and Kim knows this even without him saying it, which yeah, is why yeah, yeah. he's saying like, you don't love me, Scott. Yeah. Like, like you don't love me. I, I, Kim does love Scott. Yes. Uh, and it bothers her that she does, but she does. Yeah. Uh, but Scott, she knows Scott doesn't love her. She yeah. knows Scott loves Ramona. And so she, she, Kim does the right thing, which is like stand up for both herself, but also to get Scott to be like, Hey, recognize that you, you are on the wrong path, my guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're just trying to escape know, your pain. And not only that, we also get, so one of the things, one of the things I also love about this book is because, especially with volume two and all the other stuff where we see from Scott's perspective, you know, he's the hero, he fights the good fight, yada, yada, yada. Uh, like, he was like, we were in high school, and when Kim says, do you remember high school? He's like, yeah, we were in high school, but I had to move. It's like, dude, you told Lisa, you never told me. And then we yeah. get this great uh, panel of, eh, come on, camera. Like, the first top panel is like Scott's memory, but then yeah, the second yeah. one is what really happened when he was talking to Lisa. And yes. then they mentioned simon lee and he scott even said simon lee was the bad guy and she's like are you kidding we were dating i she was dating simon and he punched a poor kid in the face yeah and uh didn't realize it like four volumes four later simon four simon yeah four four yeah. volumes later we get the real story yeah 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 which makes scott like seem like a real piece of shit and mm -hmm. the thing is like I I'm, I highlighted it as well. Like the, the, I took a picture of it because the the fact that we see right next to each other the moment of him seeing himself telling pa Kim he's moving, and then seeing him actually telling Lisa and not having told Kim who he was dating uh, that he was moving, having them next to each other really cements the unreliable narrator you've had this entire time in Scott Pilgrim, and yeah. that like you can't just take even if you saw it, 
in the past, yeah. even if you saw the visuals, which Envy, Envy has already set us up for with like that we weren't seeing the whole side of the story. Yeah. And now you're being told like, nah, legitimately, like some of the things you've seen, that's not true. Like that's yeah. just not how it happened. That's a fake page. Uh, and that and that's really valuable. Like it really creates the like break between the audience and like, oh, okay, so Scott's like just full blown full of shit sometimes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, and I really love that. I really love that that Brian Lee O'Malley did that with the character here. Uh, and all of that pushes Scott to the point where he goes glowy head himself. Yep. Uh, and says, you know what? Forget I said anything. Forget the whole thing. We'll just forget all about it. And Kim recognizes that this is happening. And it's the same thing that's happened to Ramona. Yeah. Uh, she, and she says, uh, which is, I think it's like the thing that finally like, like caps it off. It's like, if you keep forgetting your mistakes, you'll just continue to make them. Yeah. Uh, and that like, and then Nega <laughs> Scott activated. Uh, everything you've done wrong is just going to keep following you around, Scott. Yeah. Um, and Scott sees the Nega Scott and he goes after him. He says, I just need to kill him so I can forget her and move on, which is there's really great artwork here between Scott oh, yeah. and the Nega Scott going at each other. Um, and uh, the most telling line, the most important line, I think, of all of this is when Scott is confronting the Nega Scott, he's uh, and says that he needs to kill him. He says, it's better than having to live with myself. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. In response to Kim saying that you will just keep making your same mistakes. Scott has a deep, deep hatred of himself. Yeah. And that's the thing that's been pushing him to do this over and over and over again, which means he's been doing this all his life. Yeah. Of uh, just saying like, I can't live with how shitty I've been mm -hmm. uh, and pushing for it. And finally something actually breaks through and changes Scott. And that thing is, Ramona. Ramona. Uh, yeah. Uh really great art as he remembers all these different flashes of Ramona. Um and that she's the thing that he wants. And when he says her name out loud, it makes the Nega Scott stop, shut down, and then burst back inside of Scott. Reabsorbed. Yep. I remember everything. Yeah. Yep. And Scott finally has his full knowledge of himself and his life and everything he did. He's like Wolverine who got all his memories back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I really, really like this. Uh, this is one of those reasons why, again, like I don't hold the movie fully accountable because I'm sure they did not have all the details of this. But like, yeah. when you get to this movie story about the biggest guy, I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah, like fun joke, I get it, yeah, cool. Uh, it just oh, yeah. has so much more meaning here because it is literally the tool of Scott's uh, own personal self destruction that he's been doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so Scott finally uh, he gets. He gets a little kiss for luck from Kim. Smack. Uh, luck. Uh, and and he's ready to go and actually fight for Ramona and, and fight Gideon and earn her back. Uh, and it, you get the incredible, like, Scott Pilgrim is coming home. Yeah. <laughs> it's personal. Just like the cool anime scene of him on top of the bus with his coat yeah. flying in the wind. Yeah. Um, chaos theater time and that takes us to the chaos theater and the, the fight yep. with Gideon um, you got him being a piece of shit to Envy uh, uh, which is implied that they're at least kind of hooking up Gideon yeah uh, talk, yeah. yeah Gideon uh, but like he's not really interested in her and it bothers Envy she's playing she's playing at the chaos theater and not sex by bomb yep which is which is it from the movie yeah um, what I really like about that and I'll just highlight it here is uh because it's Envy who's highlighting, headlining the Chaos Theater, 
Um, you get this, I, I think it would have been cool. It would have been cool if the movie could have done this, I think. Uh, just picture like Brie Larson in the same moment um, saying, I'm I'm going to sing a song for an old friend. Yes. And starting the song and it's like making him aware of where Gideon is. And it's like to encourage him to fight in that same way. Uh, that yeah. that would have been pretty sick. And I think it's a cool come around for Envy yeah, in the uh, spot she's in. Gideon, yeah, they're definitely like, they're definitely hooking up or whatever because he says... I've had some very promising young designers literally yeah. chained to sewing machines for a month. And you know that dressing up you up like a doll is fulfilling for me sexually. And I'm like, oh yeah, he is a bad man. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. Uh uh Gideon's pretty shitty in the movie. Yeah. Um Gideon's yeah. his own thing in the show. Uh Gideon is truly disgusting and and gro gross. Yeah. Just awful. The worst in this book. Yeah. Uh mm -hmm. he's the worst thing. Um hundred percent. On the way to, to get into Envy's song, we got the Chaos Theater uh, looking like it does at the end of the movie. This is where we uh, get my favorite payoff joke uh, about um, Monique and Sandra, who have yeah. been there for the whole time, but yeah. have never been next to Julie, where you get the revelation uh, that they're both just like two halves of who Julie is as a character. Um, because you get Julie P, the original and best, and Sandra, not the original, and Monique, not the best. And once they're all three put together, you're like, oh shit, they're just two fractures of Julie, and they're just both aping Julie's personality. Yeah, yeah one's, one's got glasses, but the other does. Yeah. It's very much like if the doctor uh, was it bi-generated. Yes. And then, like, this is the outcome. Like, they get one, one part of each of them. Um... Yeah, and this uh, this is all Julie and, and them criticizing Scott, being like, I thought you didn't drink, Scott. And he's like, I drink sometimes, I drink. Uh, and that leads to Scott spilling all over himself, making a mess, and doing his best Charlie Brown. Why? <laughs> well, maybe don't chug, like, try to chug down an entire drink in, in, one, in one shot, bro. Yeah, which uh, leads to the hilarious uh, Scott having to wear a Chaos Theater Gideon Graves t-shirt uh, through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you get Super duper story important moment where uh, Scott runs into his sister because everybody's at, at the Chaos Theater and uh, and meets uh, Stacy and sees that she's next to Neil and he realizes they've never met. And he says, so he starts to introduce him. He says, this is young. Um, this is Neil. And Neil is finally no longer young Neil. And this yep. is the greatest day of his life. He's graduated. He's Neil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just like that, one character's arc closure, it's done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Neil is no longer young Neil. Nope, he is truly Neil. So yeah, Envy starts her song and lets us, it, it, through the song, inform Scott that Gideon is uh, coming up on him to attack him. And this is where a huge revelation happens for Scott, where he finds out, and this is, I think this is a good twist. Another thing that like uh, the movie does it different. I think the movie's good for its own interpretation. Uh, yeah. But for the book, you find out Gideon doesn't have Ramona. Yeah. And Scott thought he did yep. this whole time. Uh, and it turns out that like, you, you don't have her. And then Gideon really bothered. She isn't with you. Yeah. What? Um, you and, defeated oh. six of her evil exes and she left you. Scott's like, shut up. It's complicated. Like, yeah. God, you're both. You're both. Awful. Bef yeah. Before we go into that, I just want to highlight another moment that I thought was really freaking funny. Yeah, and it's too. when uh, it's when Scott's going into the theater after he sees Wallace and the other Scott and he's zipping off his jacket. He walks. He doesn't realize that he walks by Stephen Stills and Joseph. And Stephen's like, it's $7, Joseph. I'll hold my coat. And Joseph's yeah. like, quit acting like a broke-ass bitch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is good. You're right. <laughs> I love I love Joseph so much. I'm so glad he sticks around. I love the Joseph Stephen stuff. I yeah. think it's just really nice. Yeah. 
<clears throat> as a background piece. So Gideon Scott, they're in their fight. Uh, this is one of my one of many favorite art moments in this book. Yeah, which is when Gideon punches Scott in the chest. It's like cosmic and steals the sword from him. Uh, I think is really great. He tries to pull the, the maneuver of like, knowing me, you are also now an evil ex. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's aping Empire Strikes Back. Like it's it's direct dialogue Empire Strikes Back, but. Uh, Instead of we can rule the galaxy, like we can rule Ramona's love life, and he's like, I'll never join you. You're not Luke Skywalker, bro. Uh, uh, Scott, Gideon. Scott doesn't even want to fight Gideon. The secondary characters are making me do it. Yeah, <laughs> Skeet stole the power of love. What a dick! Yeah, what a dick. Uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a really good start to the fight. And uh, I remember the first time I was reading it, but it really threw me on like, I, oh, I don't know actually how this is going to play out because I, you know, just like Scott, assumed Ramona was with Gideon. Yeah. And uh, and yep. like at that point, I'm like, what does this mean? Is Gideon lying? Yeah. Like, yeah. what does this mean? Yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what was going to happen either. Yeah. Um, and all of that leads to, all right, Holmes, no hard feelings. And Gideon stabs Scott through the heart. And big yep. blood splatter page. This, this... This is not a there's there's obviously fight scenes, but this is not a violent book. There's way more blood in this last volume than I yeah. ever expected. It's it's it gets gruesome at points. Like yeah, uh, mm -hmm. like like Scott Scott gets slashed to death basically in the next fight as well. Uh, yeah, it's really it's really like it's impactful. It's the first time you really see blood, and you get the reactions from everybody as Scott lies dead on the floor. Even Envy is shocked to see it, and yeah. he thinks he's dying. Yes, Ben. No, I was gonna say even Kim Kim is in that uh those panels too. Like she could feel it in the horse. Yeah, she oh it. yeah, she she senses something is wrong. Somehow Scott has died, uh, and that leads to Scott slipping into his usual dream desert subspace, and uh, that's when Ramona reprises her original lines like you're just having some idiotic dream. Thirty six. Don't let it get you down. Yeah. I'm so lonely. Yeah, so Ramona finally shows up and reveals that she just left uh, <clears throat> because she was feeling really messed up and she needed to work through things. And uh, there's this really sweet moment where she's saying, I got pretty messed up, and, and Scott's saying, I got kind of messed up anyway. And then Ramona, but you're so tough. And Scott's Aww, absolute yeah. happiness at Ramona thinking he's tough. I am tough. <laughs> um, and the way she sees him. And uh, I think it's really great because it's Ramona on her own little journey, just like Scott's been, where she's saying, I came back to say, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. And I've been a crummy girl girlfriend and I feel like an idiot. Uh, and during all that, Scott is just so happy to see her. And so he starts kissing her and he keeps kissing her uh, because he's just happy she's back. Oh, and like, mm -hmm. so, and he's like, wait, so I'm not dead? It's like, no, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. she's no, like, you're no, dead. Scott, I lied. You really are dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's okay because he got an extra life. Yeah, which is really great. I, I love you, coming back. No, I just oh, yeah, but also this um uh, the the panel or the page before that, she, he's just constantly trying to kiss Ramona, and she just yells, "Down, boy!" He's like, "I don't care. I forgive you. Just let yeah. me make out with you, <laughs> down, boy." Right? Yep. And he goes, just, like, "You're actually dead." He's like, "I'm in heaven. You're an angel." And she's like, "Uh, no." And then this yeah. the extra life, and then the very next page when he breeze and uh stacy's all like sorry mom false alarm and she's like i told you scott got a one up in volume three yeah yeah <laughs> no stress for the parents there yeah yeah uh nope. yeah brian lee o'malley's just really good at like 
giving you like little tiny morsel panels of just whole landscape kind of things. Yeah. That just give you such a, an emotional reaction and mood um, to what he's doing. So yeah, Scott's back. Gideon was uh, not prepared for it. And not only is Scott back, but Ramona comes bursting out of his chest uh, really triumphantly ready to face down Gideon. Well, real quick uh, in that sequence, uh, Ramona also has a moment of self-reflection and this is the the line from the movie. Yes, I've dabbled in being a bitch, but listen, I came back because I'm always the one who leaves. I can never say goodbye. So it's even her like confronting herself in this moment with Scott, like two people who run away from their problems who are, who are like very similar in a lot of ways, like coming together in the same moment. And like, that's really, it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, You get a really weird joke, but I kind of love it where um, Ramona comes out and uh, when she shows up, uh, there's a offhanded comment that Gideon makes that makes people in the background think that she's a dude. And so they are Googling Ramona to see if she's a dude. And then uh, after a moment, those same guys are like, you know, if she's a dude, I'm super gay. Word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Gideon starts like transforming his stage, which comes down to reveal uh, how messed up Gideon is, which is that he has all of the ones that got away. Uh, they're cryogenically frozen awaiting the future day when they'll all go out with Gideon because he loves them all. And there are uh, a total of seven with one empty spot yeah. remaining he's, he's, for Ramona. He's the worst Mr. Freeze. Yeah, <laughs> he's yes. bad. Yeah. He's a bad man. He's a bad, bad man. Uh, I, I'm, I appreciate that they give them all names. Yes. Uh, it's it's just nice because like these are not going to be relevant characters, but at least it doesn't feel like they have zero identity. So it's Courtney, Riley, Nina, uh, Sloan, Irene, Ginger, and there is still Spice, a spot Spice Girls for Ramona. Yeah. Um, oh, it's the prodigal son joke. That's what Gideon said. Gideon said the prodigal son returns, which is what gets those two guys going. Is that a dude? Yeah. Uh, I gotta look into it. Um, yeah. Uh, this was the this was the part where like the Gideon stuff really changed for me because I'm like, oh god, he's awful. He's yeah. the worst. He can't, he maybe deserves he's a bad man. He does deserve to die. He's a bad man. Which, yeah. The second he. I, the second he brings that, like every other of the evil exes, I would say they suck in a in a way. But I, but at the same time, it's like yeah, they kind of also have a reason because they still really like Ramona and they still want to, or they in some form they still want to kind of be with her. They're not necessarily Gideon, evil. Yeah, they're not necessarily evil. They're just given that label of being evil. Whereas Gideon is the true evil son of a bitch here. Especially because mm-hmm. he brings out things like, oh, he, these are all the girls that rejected me. So I kidnapped them and have them cryogenically frozen. It's like, that's messed up. Yeah. Um, like it, in the fight, uh, uh, Gideon's like, she started it. It's all her fault, Scott. Everything. And he's like, shut up, you you guy. And Wallace is like, better, better come back. <laughs> better come back, Scott. I, I love Wallace. is always inter- interjecting. Yeah, yeah. He's like the best. He's the absolute best. Um, really importantly, something I love about this is that when, when they start the fight, uh, Gideon facing them, he first started by getting a blast on them that, uh, activates their glows. Mm -hmm. So everybody's in this state where they're getting upset, which pushes Scott back from like having been totally happy to see Ramona to why am I still fighting this lunatic? I mean, you're the one that left. Maybe you should just go back to wherever the hell you were. And Ramona's saying, maybe this was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, and it's how those the glow is affecting them which i thought was a a useful like tool while i don't think it negates from the importance of the story and the emotional journey that the characters have been on to highlight that the glow has been something gideon is putting in 
that affects them and pushes them towards their worst sides. They're, they're, it's not something they wouldn't say, but it is like bringing out their most negative feelings about yeah. the situation rather than allowing them to just be themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought that was that and they, was a really nasty trick. Yeah, and they both like are glowing at the same time. So like in a way that almost like brings them closer like together because like they're both being affected by this. And like yeah, one of them can't can't be as directly hurt because they're not in their normal state. They're both in their pain state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they're both throwing pain around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I I really like uh, uh, Ramona fighting Gideon and saying, you know, maybe they weren't so bad when I uh, referring to her exes. They weren't so bad when I was saying that maybe they all turned into assholes later, just like you. And Gideon's trying to say you're the common denominator, baby. Uh, <laughs> and which is where Ramona triggers him with, "Why do you even want me back? You spent our whole relationship putting me, pushing me away. You didn't want me until I left." And Gideon has his own memory cam, just like Scott, and he's <laughs> where she's saying. Baby, you light my fire. Are you obsessed or what? LOL. And uh, Gideon's <laughs> like, I, I what? Yeah. And Gideon also, we realize, is just as messed up in his brain hole about what he does as Scott is. Yeah. yeah Apparently he also sullied some of Scott's memories too. Yeah. Uh, when he slashes Scott, and he's like, insulin whore, don't you sully my memories. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, insulin whore. God. Yeah. What a yeah. lie. He's, he's, he's terrible. Um, and then we get uh, Ramona is ready to just disappear again. She's using the subspace to do it. Um, maybe I can't maybe change. I can't change. And Scott's saying, "Don't go to try and grab her." Uh, and that's when Gideon reveals that she's been riding the glow that he's created to get into subspace, uh, which has been the thing that he's been using to manipulate her mind and her memories. Um, it's how I made my millions, buddy. Emotional warfare seals you inside your head, just you and your issues. And once you're hit, that's it. No cure. It's chronic. Uh, and uh, that that Ramona, as the brilliant self-hater she is, found a way to turn it to her advantage. And this uh, is when also when he stabs Ramona. Yeah, when he stabs Which I Ramona. did did not see. Yeah, coming. that was that was surprising. I like I was like, are they gonna kill Ramona? Like I didn't think it was gonna happen, but I'm like, yo, man, like how many times can you get stabbed in the stomach? Like, can't, not everyone can get stabbed in the stomach and survive. And there's an amount where Brian Lee O'Malley, as, as the writer, is playing with um, what he's putting visually on the screen, the, the panel here, the page, and literalizing it and what it is as metaphor, because you have Ramona bleeding out. And uh, Scott's like, are you, are you, and she says, I'll be fine. I shouldn't have let myself get hurt, which, yes, okay, we're talking about a injury with a sword, but it's also really, I shouldn't have let myself get hurt by opening up my emotions. Like, yeah. that's that's what we're talking about here is how yeah. you invest in somebody and what you open yourself up to. Um, and uh, and Ramona saying our whole relationship was like some sick experiment to him. Uh, he just has a way of getting inside my head. Again, you, you have a way of playing with the metaphor of what this is, like, there are shitty people who just will treat your relationship like a game, yeah. like an experiment. And that's what Gideon is. And they like, they have a hold over you that you just can't, there's nothing you can do about it. Like for, for whatever reason, like, you know, you are attracted to who you're attracted to and you love who you love. And like, sometimes that's like to your own detriment because you can't help it. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it's more sinister. Which is one of the reasons why I love this book so much, because when we get into the nitty gritty of what Gideon's done, how his pervasive grossness has affected these relationships and what it's trying to say in the metaphor sense. I think it's really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there is a little right, literal way into Ramona's head and it's through the bag. So yeah. Scott climbs <laughs> into the bag and he hops in to go face the Gideon inside of her head who looks like, you know, 
a real nasty anime boy. He's like, yeah, he's so is. thick and purple. He's the purple man. Yeah, he looks like a purple man with a cheetah hair. And that's definitely yep. like no Marvel comic nerd Brian Lee O'Malley is. It's not accidental that there's some purple man here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm all powerful in her head, man. And you get this wonderful, like, continuous as Scott is going after him. He's growing in size, holding Ramona in this, like, what he believes is what she really wants. Or yeah. The sexualized desire state. He turns into, like, a giant, like, uh, the only comparison I can think of at this moment is, like, Togaro from Yu Yu Hakusho, who, like, triples yeah. his size. Uh, he's a big, big boy. And he's got all his, yeah. uh, his imaginary loves oh. around him in his little spiritual form. And uh, Scott's charging at him in this giant anime villain uh, thing to tell him to, would you just look at yourself, which is the thing Scott needed to do. Yeah. Uh, and he headbutts him so hard, uh, which is great. Uh, the art here is just like Brian Lee O'Malley pulling no punches in what he's doing with this final confrontation. Um, I love it. Mm -hmm. And then you get the, the part that I love so much, which is Ramona waking up from her own, Gideon created desire state and yeah. becoming herself, breaking her shackles Ching. and, uh, and summoning, uh, other versions of herself to say, you know, part of me will always belong to you, but the rest of me, the other parts of me, they're finished with you. Um, and you get all these different Ramona, different Ramona showing up ready to kick in all the ass. different hair colors. She's ever so had. good. Yeah. yeah. Really, also, really I just love it. how she, how she goes from being like the, you know, the docile girlfriend bit laying down and then she just instantly gets up, her dress changes, snaps the cuffs. Hell yeah, like, yeah. angry eyes. Yeah, angry eyes, Ramona. And she apparently grows in size by the looks of it. And once she summons all the other Ramonas, I'm like, kick his ass, kick his ass. Yeah. And so Gideon's Gideon's ready to get screwed up in the mind space. But back in the real world, he's about to kill Scott and Ramona intervenes by putting herself and her bag between Scott and the blade, Ching. Uh, which is a beautiful piece of art as the yeah. bag is sliced into uh, and will uh, explode everywhere and leave Yay. tons of things. But outside of what's left of the bag, uh, Ramona will pull out the power of love, yeah. uh, which heals her wounds. Uh, and this part of the chapter when the bag explodes is called chapter 38 music sounds better with you, which I just, I love. That's a great, that's also a great yeah. song. Real yeah. song. Yeah. I just, I, I just love that as like the choice of the sentiment here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is really also where, and this is also a really good part. Cause the whole, cause Envy's up on stage. She's like, Gideon, hurry up. Cause she's like, she wants to get back to perform. She wants to get back to what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. And you really get to see Gideon's true colors when she's like, Hey, are you okay? And he goes, back off do you think i need help from you and then just takes a sword just takes a sword out from behind yeah. her well also but this is also where scott realizes that he how he's up. been yeah. yeah like it's you see the the thing with envy where she tells him to get out of his life where he breaks up with knives um kim confronting scott about moving away and yeah. then when ramona uh, disappears into subspace and this is when scott finally kind of like understands what gideon is yeah and he even and says like i get you i understand like you're just like you like you are like me i like i, and, I understand and you. before he sees he says that he looks over and he sees the faces of all his friends and kim in the true anime way and the spirit of kim She's in like, the background yeah. also <laughs> represented and part of it love it she's a forest ghost so good 
That's, uh, there's also mention of the cat, or Gideon's like, you named your cat Gideon? Ramona's like, I, I have my own way of working things you, out. You were the cat? Yeah. And he's like, no, I wasn't the cat. Yeah. You named your cat after me? Yeah. Yeah, I really like that bit. I, I That had also been a question for a long time in the book, so I really love that the resolution was, what? No, I wasn't the cat? Yeah. I, yeah, I was waiting for some, for some twist with the cat, but uh, it was just, no, just, that's how she works out her trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Scott says, I think I understand you, man, which means I have to kill you now. Yep. Uh, and Scott levels up and earns the power of understanding. Plus, and a, plus t-shirt unlocked. <laughs> and a new t-shirt unlocks. Oh, God. Yeah. I love the video game references in this. In this Guts plus so one, much. heart plus three, balls plus two. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's when Scott gets in. Envy's, Envy also gets the stats when her dress comes apart as he pulls out the sword. Envy's dress fell off, revealing a sexier dress. Charm increased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he's yeah. like, Gaines all like, I had a sword built into Envy's dress in case of emergency. That's just the kind of guy I am. It's like he's one step what? ahead, always thinking. And then and then we finally hit the the moment you alluded to earlier, which is uh Gideon saying, uh uh, I've been back and forth all year, very convenient, practically empty too inside of Scott's head, except for some dull ass high school memories. I may have spiced them up a little. Yeah. Uh so mm-hmm. Gideon's been messing with Scott's head directly, despite Scott already being messed up in the head. Like he didn't need Which the- Ramona calls yeah. out. She's like, You sleaze, his brain doesn't need any extra damage from you. Scott extra. Extra. Yeah, I was like, his he's already messed up enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's when they, they get to their fight with Gideon, they beat him down and, uh, Gideon says, getting rid of me won't save you. You're your own worst enemies, both of you, True. which they yeah. look at each other and say, no, I'm pretty sure you're worse, dude. You're definitely <laughs> worse. And Gideon just looks despondent as they are in agreement about him just being garbage. Uh, and it's, it's almost the, that almost looks like a, like a, like almost like a buster sword. Yeah. You got like yeah. the big blade in the hands of Scott. And he says for messing with my head with Ramona's head for the league of evil ex-boyfriends for the good of all mankind. And then they defeat him in that cross X style, the same way uh, it happens in the movie. Hell yeah. And then, uh, and then it rains coins. And what I love about this, which didn't happen in the movie, if it rains like $7 million worth of coins, people would be getting hurt. So like there's a panel of people going, ah, yeah, yeah. being rained on. <laughs> They're first is like, Oh, like, Money. like even this bearded guy right here, He's just like, yay, it's raining money. And then yeah. it's, when it gets closer, they all go, oh, wait, wait a minute. Ow, 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 ow. It's kind of like when uh, it's like when Family Guy did the Scrooge McDuck joke of Peter trying to jump yes. into the money pit. <clears throat> and he's like, it's just a, ti- a bunch of tiny little masses making up one big mass. Why would anyone do this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to the rest of the story, the epilogue, the conclusion, anything else you guys want to touch on or say about the fight with Gideon? Um, I the Sailor Moon I, reference is amazing. The Sailor Moon reference, yeah. What he's like the last monologue before they do the cross slash, like in a Chrono Trigger, he where he says, "I'll punish you." That's what Sailor Moon says when she transforms into Sailor Moon. Mm, there you go. All right. Mm. I have a question about. I, it doesn't. It is not a detractor at all. But like, did you need Gideon to be like, "Oh, I also messed with both of your brains," like? Because like I think Scott did enough personal damage to himself. I don't think I personally needed Gideon to be an extra layer eviler of like, oh yeah, I've also been this entire year going back and messing with your brain. Like I didn't need that. It just makes him an eviler person. But it's not like a detractor. But like I, I it, again, it's not a knock. But it's just one I'm like, oh, I didn't really need that personally. But like maybe there's a better reason. And I'm just thinking about. I wouldn't say I would knock it. Um, it just to me, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, it like yes, Scott had the revelation that he was bad and he was a horrible person. But it also 
it also I would say it just adds to Gideon's evilness. Yeah, because like, I mean, it, it doesn't really. It do, to me, it's not. Um, it doesn't detract. It doesn't take yeah, away yeah. from the growth that Scott had earlier. Because yes. when he's fighting the Negus guy, he's like, yeah, like yeah, I know I messed him up, but also kind of makes sense. Like the when you look back at Volume Two with the with Simon Lee with the purple with like Simon being the purple guy. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, okay, that I could see that as Gideon messing with Scott's braid, like in, making Scott to be like, I am the coolest. I am like this really awesome person who saved Kim. That's what when he says he spices up the memories a little bit. It's like, yeah, of course I spiced them up a little bit. It was yeah. all boring and it was boring as shit in there. I think I think what I'll say is that the the thing for me, and I, I don't think it's necessary. I, I will say that. I don't think it's needed. Yeah. What I feel like it's there for is to not uh take responsibility through Gideon for Scott's forgetfulness. Mm -hmm. I think that's just part of what Scott's been doing, his repression, all of that. Yeah, yeah. I do think it's meant to explain Scott playing off what he does, what little he does tell Ramona about his past. So like the stuff with um, Simon Lee that he makes bigger. Yeah. Right? Like the only person he ever tells that to is Ramona. Mm -hmm. um, and the only time he ever imagines it like that is in his own head. Mm -hmm. And it's Kim who later is like, dude, what are you talking about? And so like, there's an implication almost that like Scott, Scott never really told anyone else the Simon Lee story went like that. Yeah. yeah. But that narrative might've been created by Gideon. And sure. like, and like if it's those kinds of things, those aspects of it where, where Scott pushes himself into the more heroic uh, mindset, ultimately to make it so that he can't resolve his issues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's what Gideon's doing. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you that I just don't think it's a necessary line. Yeah. Like, again, it's not a detractor, but I'm just like, I like when I initially read it, I was like, okay, does this take away Scott's own personal growth because it was actually somebody else harming him? But like, not really. Cause he still yeah. is a shitty person in his own right. And he so, still, like, he still had to do all the things like yeah. him, him resolving his shit with the Nega Scott and all that. That's still on him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if anything, I think it's also kind of supposed to say that Gideon's own tool was the um, like attempt to destroy Scott was also the source of his own doom yeah. because Scott's head only glows for the first time when he's with Kim and he wants to forget everything. He gets locked inside with his own issues and literally has to face and kill the Nega Scott. Yeah, yeah. And because he does that, Scott finds uh, his own resolution to become a more full version of himself. True. And like that is pretty direct in the visuals that that is when we see Scott's head glow. We've never seen that before. And if we're being yeah, told yeah. that is Gideon then what he tried to set Scott up to that Scott was supposed to lose, right? Yeah, to yeah. the Nega Scott. And Scott didn't uh, because of how much he loves Ramona and because of Kim's support. Yeah, yeah. And that got him through, which means Gideon making a, a space for Scott to have done that actually ends up being his undoing. That makes sense, yeah. And I think for that, it's pretty cool. I'm into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Gideon's defeated... And Scott finally gets closure with Envy. Closure! Uh, as she comes Yay. up and gives him a hug. And Scott's so happy. He gets his closure at last. Yay. And Ramona's a little like, uh, still don't love Envy, but okay. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Scott has a lovely conversation with, with Ramona. And he's like, I don't know. Maybe we can get somewhere together. Maybe we can get unstuck. We'd have to be careful. It could be a bumpy ride. It can get messy. But maybe, maybe it'll be worth it. And like that's got not taking the easy route because you know then being in a relationship like it's not going to be easy the entire way through like it'll be challenging but that's that's part of love is like going getting through the rough patches with someone who's worth it instead of just taking the easy route where there is never conflict and it's you kind of like you know you're ghosting through a relationship and nobody right. should be doing that. right 
Speaking of relationships. Um, so I was going to say, speaking of relationships, uh, Scott finds out that Steven is with Joseph and he freaks out, like in a good way. He's like, oh! and Joseph's like, I hate your friends. Some, some important <laughs> notes I want to touch on before we get to those ending notes with Scott and Ramona. Yeah, yeah. Uh, NB, it does a song and as she's doing the song, they free Gideon's trapped women. They become like um, a batch of dancers. Uh, also, um, everyone wants to know where Ramona was. And Ramona says, dudes, I just went to my, <clears throat> excuse me, dudes, I just went to my dad's. He lives in the middle of nowhere. I thought I'd get my head together and come back in a week or two, you know, like a wilderness sabbatical, which Wallace is like, you see, Scott, wilderness sabbatical. Um, you did, which she did the same thing. And she says, yeah, but it didn't really work that way. I just ended up sleeping all day, dicking around on the internet and watching every episode of the X-Files. I mean, I tried calling you, Scott. Aww. <clears throat> Aww. And that's when everyone is sitting there like, Oh my god, they maybe might meant to be Yeah, they're perfect. <laughs> like, they both they both handled it just as sloppily. Yeah. Uh, yeah. which I really love because again it draws that direct parallel of like they're kind of the same screw-ups. Yeah. Um and yeah, what you mentioned, like uh uh I really like the 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 page where it's Ramona saying uh they're in the elevator, it's her and Scott, and she says, uh I like nothing can change me as long as I'm the one who's changing first. I feel like I'm in this river just getting swept along. If I hold on to anyone, if I'm holding on for dear life, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm stuck. I never wanted to get stuck. And uh, you got the imagery of all her past iterations that she yeah. feels have been trapped. Um, and that's, that's yeah. Scott and Ramona saying like, Hey, we're going to try and just hold on. She's like, I haven't been very good at that. And Scott repeat repeats uh, the Wallace bit like, Hey, it just takes practice. Yeah. And she smiles. A rare, it's so cute. Yeah. 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 I, I really like the moment in the elevator between the two of them. It's very, very, very sweet. Yeah, I love it. It is. Uh, yeah, that leads to Stephen and Joseph. Kiss. Stephen and Joseph kissing. And Scott is too oh! happy about it. Loves it so much. God, yeah. I hate your friends. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, like, Julie turned you gay. Yeah, yeah, right. Julie turned you gay, which Scott is so happy about. I also really like freaking out a lot i'm i'm freaking out a little i'm freaking, freaking out, out. A little. he's freaking out a lot uh yeah i i really like that um kim and scott try and play uh some band music together and uh neither knives or neil really like it which means that uh as kim says bad news scott the only two people who could ever have been our fans have developed taste wait is, is it just them or someone else with them too no it's just kim and oh, scott. okay i got it got it okay yeah uh they're they're just playing their own thing yeah, yeah. um which I really like. And that's cool because uh, the, like, obviously Neil was, like, was their friend already, but like Knives being there shows growth for everyone. Like that Scott's okay with just hanging out with Knives and not being weird about it. Like she is part of the friend <laughs> group now because her and Steven have been friends for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we get to Knives' uh, emotional goodbye to Scott as she's heading off to college. And uh, Scott says, because he's a better person now, just like, hey, give me a call when you're in town, okay? And she's like, Scott, this is my favorite line, uh, maybe in the whole book. You'll always be my clash at demon head. Oh, whatever that whatever means. that means. <laughs> whatever that means. Oh, uh, it's adorable. Which I love because, like, on like, what is she going for? She's kind of going for like, you'll always be my envy, which is like awful, like awful, <laughs> but also one of the most important relationships in her life. Yeah, so like, yeah, it's it's a really good one. I just really like it. You'll always be my clash at demon head. Yeah, I'm sure Scott's <laughs> like, what? What does that mean? What does that mean? What? Uh, yeah, I really, I'm really glad that there's like so much good closure on all of these characters. Uh, -huh, uh, uh, -huh. uh mm -hmm. you know, we get, we get all the wrap ups we need. And importantly, we finally get to like Scott and Ramona meeting up where they had their first date on those steps. Uh, so we try again and hand reaches out 
the, all the art here is beautiful. Mm-hmm. What Brian Lee O'Malley is oh, yeah. doing. It's, it's the perfect serene ending to what he's been telling. We try it. Ramona holds out in the light yeah. and they go into the door. And it's one of my favorite, like, little pages again i always like when they're dropping in subspace but this is a really pretty one of them holding hands as they jump into the abyss and i love that the ending it just it's just, it's them, just this little like it's yeah. them falling and it just yeah. it ends on, on a, like a blank page after that yeah beautiful stuff and that's the story of it's scott cool. pilgrim wow we did it read a whole a whole ass book so that. uh now with all that being said how do we feel about this series how do we feel about the story how do we feel about this this ending for Scott and Ramona. I love it. Uh, again, like I would have been happy because I think this book is well written. Like if whoever Scott ended up with in whatever reason, it would have been justified. But like, excuse me, like the book starts with like, yo, I got, I, I have a, I like this girl. I'm going to fight for this girl. And I'm glad that he didn't take the easy way out. And he, and he did it all the way through. And by doing that, he also became a better person to himself and through himself and through and making better choices with all his friends and just growth throughout this entire book for so many characters, whether they're good people or bad people, but you know, people like humans are humans and they make mistakes. It's, it's about getting over the mistakes and learning from them instead of just repeating them. Uh, and that's really, really cool to have a book like this that again, like looks one way, but it's, it's so much deeper than, than what I think a lot of people give it credit for. And if they've only seen the movie, I love that movie. Like for real, one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. but like there is some missing depth in that movie. Yeah. Uh, and you just get so much of it in this book. Uh, like I, you know, I read a lot of comics, but like this type of journey for a character, like, like, especially over a long period of time, doesn't really happen emotionally. Usually it's a lot more like physical things to get over. Like I have to beat someone up or I have to get revenge. Like this type of emotional growth isn't really what you see in a lot of comics. Like, uh, opposed to something maybe like a, like a great arc of Spider-Man every once in a while. You know what I mean? Uh, it's really special. It's a really cool book and I see why people love it. I'm glad it's so successful. Uh, we've had two different adaptations at this point from it. So it's like, and a game and a game. That's true. Uh, uh, which is also cool. Like we're not, even if we play the game at some point, we're not going to play it enough to do this. But if you play the game, uh, whoever you play as, you get a different ending. Mm, and the yeah. only one that gets the true ending, which I think is really interesting, is Ramona. Oh, that's Ramona cool. gives you the true ending from the book. I love that. Um, but everybody else gives you a different one. That's awesome. Which I think is really cool. Um, uh, yeah, I, I love these books. The ending is what cements it for me as like, um, it's it's a comic, but like it, it goes up with like the kind of young adult fiction I really love. Yeah. That, that's like about about like a big emotional turning point in your youth. Um, Paper Towns is one recent one I think of that's like one of my favorites or, yeah, or yeah. Perks of Being a Wallflower is another. Um, Scott Pilgrim really falls into that same kind of category. It it was very, for me when I first read it, uh, it, as it remains me revisiting it, it reminds me a lot of my youth. It reminded me a lot of things I was experiencing in my youth when yeah. I was reading it the first time. Yeah. Um, even things that like, you know, I always a shitty 20 year old once. Like yeah. I, like I definitely, I'm sorry, I'm not going to say you guys did, but like everyone in their, er, in their young youth makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and the point of growing up is, is learning from them and being a better person through it. Like, like nobody expects a 21 year old to be like the best person in the world. So like, you just have to, you have to get through it and, you know, become a better person from it. Uh, and real quick, like, again, like I said, it's at the beginning, but like, Scott Pilgrim is not your average protagonist. He sucks. He sucks for so much of this book. And I don't know mm-hmm. many books that would be that would try this hard to have a character this shitty for a lot for this for years at a time. You know what I mean? It's it's really it's really cool that like he's like I have a cool perspective that I want to tell about like being young and, and growing up. 
Uh, it's really great. Yeah. To your point, I think it's really helpful that Brian o Leo Malley's very good at striking a balance of like never letting you feel like Scott isn't that shitty. Yeah. But also allowing you to be able to laugh with or at him at yes. times. Yeah. So that you're never too opposed to Scott. Yeah. He's never like the actual bad guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, he is, but you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 He's not a Gideon. Uh, no, he's definitely not Gideon. Um, I, I mean, I've said I love this book before, and I'll still say that I love this book now. Uh, I Now that I'm reading it, and now that I'm a lot older, because uh, when I first read it, I was in my early 20s. It was, I wasn't catching much of the subplot or the subtext or anything like that. Now that I'm reading it, it's like, this is a really good book, not just about relationships and growing as a person, but also transitioning from one stage of your life to the next. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and also what could happen when you're just, when you're, like stuck in your own world like with uh like in this volume the very beginning scott yes he has his own apartment now but he's just on his couch playing video games all day just dicking around whereas steven is doing a new band uh knives is about to graduate and go to college you know all these everyone else is like moving up in the world they're like advancing their own lives but scott is the only one who's still stuck right and that could be, and even if we look back at other volumes, you could see that Scott is still like, he just wants to, you know, ha keep things the way they are, no matter as much as he wants, but things have to change. Like when he finally gets a job and he's like, yeah, I have a job now. Woohoo. But yeah, still, he's, he's he coasts. He, co he tries to coast. Yeah, he coasts. Yeah, he, coast. yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't force himself to move forward until the very end. And I even like for me, because there are times where I'll look back on my own life. That's like there are things where I think, my like, was I just coasting or was I just, you know, I have that those own doubts about myself. Yeah. It's like, how am I going to move forward? Right. One of the things for me, and it remains like, you know, we, we've talked about the movie. We've talked about the movie in comparison to the books, all that kind of stuff. Um, the movie always is a little hard for me right at the end, only because like I, I constantly hold it to the standard of this book. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's because for me, like it's the ending fight with Gideon and putting knives front and center for it really feels like it's driving towards that ending that they deleted and they should have, but it, it still feels like it's trying to go for it anyway, because like they didn't change that part of it. Yeah. yeah. And what I like about the, the ending of the book here is Ramona has her own agency against Gideon. Like this is just as much Gideon did shitty things to Scott. Gideon also did shitty things to Ramona. And in the book, it's very clear that it's Ramona's it's also Ramona's journey and it's Ramona's uh, decisions to grow and face him. And in the movie, it's much more uh, Gideon did wrong to Scott. And so Scott's lesson is I'm going to fight you for me revenge, uh, and yeah. I'm going to fight you for me and yeah. what you put me through. But it's not really about um, Ramona taking her agency back from Gideon, they literally like reduce the mind it down to like a mind control chip yeah, yeah. on the back of her head rather than doing the whole, like, yes, he's been warping her mind, but like what that means for her emotionally. And like that always trips up the movie a little bit for me in, yeah. when you, when you have the knowledge of what this book has about Ramona. And, and I think her story is just as good as Scott's here. I think that she's such a good character. I, I uh, half the reason I like this book so much is not just because it's a good resolution to like Scott finally getting his shit together and being this better version of himself. But it also says like, here's Ramona and Ramona was making mistakes too. And Ramona's also on a similar journey and has to find her own path and has to uh, stand up to her own demons yeah. and the same kind of thing. And they, their demon just happens to be the same person right now, which yeah. is Gideon. Um, 
but but like all the moments that Brian O'Malley gives her of like her triumphantly and heroically jumping out of Scott's chest, saving Scott's life with the bag, uh, fighting for him with the sword first before he pulls the sword out. Yeah. Like those are all really important, like female first uh, choices that you don't get a lot in these narratives. You don't get a lot in these comics, especially in a story where it starts off as like, I need to fight all these guys to be with you. Yeah. yeah. Which puts the girl so far behind it. It's just cool that at the time, Brian Lee O'Malley was already pushing for Ramona to be a character within herself, a character who, who uh, had to overcome her own, like she's flawed and she has to overcome her own challenges that are very much the same as Scott's and grow and that she's allowed the full amount of this volume to show that as well yeah, yeah. Uh, is really valuable and not something I think you see, especially at this time in the space as much, especially in the genre of storytelling we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like, like you said, or like uh, just a couple minutes ago, Ben, like every single character grows and gets resolution in some capacities, big or small, like, like Steven Stills, who was like, who is a side character. That's really fun. But like, even he has growth through this book yeah. and Kim, Kim with her issues with Scott gets resolved. Even, uh, Julie, I wouldn't say it gets resolved, but like she does her own thing and moves away. Wallace becomes monogamous. Wallace. Yeah. He, yeah. Him and mobile, God bless him. His psychic boyfriend who we don't get to see too much, but that's really fun. Like everybody gets to grow and like learn. That's why they book. clarify. Like it's in the small blur, but when he's at the club with other Scott, yeah. who he had been sleeping with earlier, best friend, well, it says best friend. Yeah. Not, uh, yeah. boyfriend or any of that he's not playing yeah. those games because Wallace becomes monogamous and like that's background stuff but it's there yeah Every, everybody gets to grow in some capacity in this book and it's it's lovely to, lovely to see yeah um, speaking of just about the books at, at large I think Brian Lee O'Malley is so good at doing a lot with a little this is both in what his visualizations like we've talked about it before his art is so good that sometimes he hits you with something that you feel emotionally mm -hmm. And he does it very simply and very directly and clear where like just what he shows you on the page makes you feel an emotion about these characters and about being young. And it's and simple what, and clean. What the moment is. Um, and it's also about how he writes things like uh, there's not too there's not too much attention given to envy in this book. Mm -hmm. Like but there's just the right amount there to give you the full impact of envy having her own perspective and like fighting against that narrative of what scott has created about who she is uh and without diverting a ton of time in the whole chapter to envy you still get that and brian lee o'malley is very succinct and very good at writing those lines that give you just the right amount of words and just enough to understand the story absolutely <clears throat> and that's been true throughout the whole series i think yeah i'm so uh i'm very glad we got to do this this has been a wonderful journey of scott pilgrim in all mediums yeah this last couple of weeks yeah so good I'm I'm really glad oh, yeah. that you finally got to go through it. I'm glad we got to share it. I know this has been a series Ben and I have been big fans of for a while. Um, having the show come out as an excuse to express it. I think you can, uh, having read the books and now with the show as well, like to me, the show is very much a companion piece to this. Yes. Uh, uh, even more so than an adaptation. Um, even though it's 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 aping from the movie adaptation, yeah. it, it feels more in line with like the book. But because Brian Lee O'Malley yeah. comes back, like it, it does feel like Brian, and I've read some of the stuff since watching the show of uh, him talking about wanting to kind of give something to the characters that he couldn't serve yeah. in the books. Uh, and like a, a lot of that is without going too spoiler into the show, like giving the exes their due as characters um, is something he really wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, having having watched that show now and like thinking in perspective, like that adds a lot more to all of those characters, all all the characters who you're right. Like 
they are like the antagonists of the book, but they're also people who have flaws that they probably mm. want to get over. And like, again, I don't want to spoil the show, but like there's a lot of good resolution in that show for people that like, I didn't think we would ever get it for, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Uh, at some yeah. point, hopefully in the near future, yeah. this was, this was wonderful. I'm really glad we did it. I'm really glad that Ryan uh, had such new fresh eyes for it. I think that was a ton of fun. Just like Scott uh, Pilgrim, my memory's awful. Uh, and I thought I read some of these books when I didn't. So I'm glad to be here and I'm grown, grown as a person. <laughs> uh, maybe one day we'll we'll get to sit down together and actually play that game. Uh, I would love yeah. to, even if it's not for any particular purposes other than let's do it for, yeah, yeah. for fun, even if it's not tying into the release of anything. It's a great game. Um, yeah. We tried playing it online. Did it work? Yeah, that show work. is out. Uh, it might have a second season. It's really up in the air. Oh, is that even being like considered? They said, they said that they, they made no plans for one. Uh, if it did well enough, they would consider coming it back and telling a story, but they weren't intending to. That definitely it feels like a one-off show to me, but like I, I get why you got your you got your little like cliffhanger cliffhanger yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. So like there can be, but they they said like they in no way feel obligated to yeah. do one. Yeah, I feel that. So yeah. we'll see. Um, but either way, we're hoping to talk about uh, what's out of the that show soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't guarantee how soon because I become a father. At the time of this recording, hours within, potentially within days. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll see. It, it might happen soon and it might be a little ways away. Uh, the other thing you can look for uh, is Monarch. We will do that finale. That also will be sometime later than uh, when the show actually ends. We will come back around on it mm-hmm. uh, because, again, baby. Um, yeah. <clears throat> other than that, uh, keep an eye out for uh, some, some basement arcades uh basement arcade pause menus hopefully coming in the near future you two uh got a quarterly to do um yeah maybe <laughs> i didn't play a lot of new games this this, this, this quarter <laughs> well sure. sure uh i think you played more than you think you did no i still played baldur's gate <laughs> played wonder. You can talk about wonder i don't have a lot to say about that game that's fair <laughs> um we'll see we'll see uh uh there will be that uh obviously like our last uh episode of the figner podcast and our latest episode but our final episode for the foreseeable future is currently up you can check it out uh on the youtube channel uh and wherever you listen to that podcast on its feeds um please stay subscribed all the rest of the shows are still continuing at some point they're just probably slowing down quite a bit Mm -hmm. um but there's a lot of things that we're still talking about that we still want to get to uh more importantly than anything uh just stay subscribed to the socials keep checking back on things stay subscribed here like and subscribe on this channel uh check out fakenerdpodcast.com that's still uh accessible to you for now uh and for that, uh, I'll turn it to you, Ben. Where can people find yeah. you? Well, they could find me counting in sex bomb at BenMagnet27 on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Threads. I had a brain fart there for a second. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gamer Magazine, go to Tendo.com, and play Mary Frankenstein in Dean Dark. Uh, Ryan? You can find me taking off, just like Scott Pilgrim, at DJ Tony Snark all over the internet. Uh, and you can find me continuing to hold on at Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Woo! All right. Uh, that'll do it for now. We're not entirely sure when we'll be back, be back with a fake nerd book club. Uh, expect to see some more archives release over the next few months. Um, and at some point, we'll try and come back together on fake nerd book club. We'll let you know when that's happening, but it's going to be a little bit. So consider the show going on a hiatus for now. Uh, and until then, stay fake nerds.